0: Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Pills. Where else would your man be than right here?
1: Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the NFL draft with the draft wires. Justin Mello now Justin Mello is a senior draft analyst and has conducted over a hundred interviews this NFL draft alone An interesting fact he had an interview lined up right after we got off the phone so the guy's crushing it he has a very good insight on which players will be available when the bills will be picking in the second third and fourth round he he has especially I asked him to look into certain positions like defensive end wide receivers running back you know positions of need And uh, he gave us some really great insights. So, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And we also talk about, you know, some off the board things drafting a quarterback every draft, his thoughts on that. And also, you know, what kind of running back would be a good complement to Devin Singletary? So, without further ado, Justin Mello of The Draft Wire. He is a Senior Draft Analyst for SB Nation's Titans page, Music City Miracles, and the Draft Wire as part of USA Today's NFL Sports Media Group Wire Network. He is also the co-host of the Titans Brawl podcast. I'm joined by Justin Mello. Justin, it is great to finally talk to you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Can't complain. You know, staying safe in these uh, in these wild times. But I'm I'm happy to be talking to you today.
0: Absolutely, appreciate that. And uh, first off, I mean, you have a, you have a ton of experience with the draft, and you've just done a bunch of interviews with a lot of the upcoming draft prospects. How many interviews have you done, and what's it like interviewing these young prospects?
1: Uh, well, so far this year, you know, it's it's kind of a niche of mine to interview the draft class. It's something that I do. Uh, or try to do as much as I can every year. So this year so far, the 2020 class alone, uh, I'm currently sitting at 103 um, interviews with with 103 different players from this class. So um, it's something I enjoy doing. I'm very thankful that I'm able to do what I do. Um, I really enjoy talking to these kids and understanding their stories and and hearing what they're all about. And because sometimes, as you know, you know, people watch the draft and they see this guy and they see that guy and they get drafted and, Of course, you know, the microscope is always on their style of play, but my goal is try to tell the story behind them, you know, not just which kind of man they are, but also what kind of player they are, right? Dive into some of that info, you know, what schemes did they play in? Um, you know, have they played multiple positions? What background do they come from? So I really sort of enjoy offering a different perspective on these kids than than most of this draft stuff that's out there.
0: Well, excellent, because I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about the personal stories a little bit later on this episode. But first off, there has been a lot of talk with NFL draft pundits that have said that this is a historically deep wide receiver draft class. Um, what rounds do you think that you can get? You can draft a guy that could become a legitimate contributor down the line?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all the way, you know, deep, very deep into the draft. But I think your sweet spot is the second and third rounds. I think you're going to get a lot of good players uh, in round two and three. But even later on, I mean, you're going to see at least, I would say, 30 receivers drafted. Um, in this draft, and there are some really, really special talents, interesting players, uh, sleepers that will be available on, D3, uh, on, sorry, on day three. You know, guys like Quez Watkins uh, out of Southern Mississippi, a guy like Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky who, who played quarterback for them, but is really a receiver and offers a lot. You know, your KJ Hills from Ohio State, your speed guys, your Courtney Davis is out of uh, Texas A&M, you know, in this really draft has, you know, receivers coming in all shapes and sizes uh, and play styles, you know, guys like Van Jefferson out of Florida, who's a maybe not a, a top end athlete, but a really, really good route runner with excellent hands, uh, you know, guys like Denzel Mims out of Baylor, who, who's maybe crawled his way into the first round conversation uh, with the incredible combine and senior bowl that he had. Uh, Devin Duvernay, right? Another speedster out of Texas. Uh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, It really is, uh, it really appears to be a historical draft at the receiver position.
0: Well, that's great. So, I mean, what about the depth of this draft class in general? Besides wide receiver, what positions does this draft have at depth? And what positions is this draft really thin at?
1: Yeah, for me, another position that I would say where it's really, uh, really deep at is the offensive tackle position. I I think uh, as much as we talk about this receiver class being historically good, uh, I think it's the same for the tackle class. I think, I mean, you're surely going to see at least five of them taken in the first round, in my opinion. Wouldn't shock me if you see five of them gone in the first, uh, you know, 15 picks or so. Uh, So very, very good tackle class in terms of where it's thin. Um, I would point to the linebacker class and even the running back class. For me, linebackers got some good high end talent, but also some of those guys that are going to be going in the first round are, are guys that you're taking a bit of a chance on, you know, the, the, the top end athletes that maybe, you know, struggle to get off blocks or, or, or sort of, you know, fit today's mold, uh, so to speak. But I think as you get into the later rounds at linebacker, even rounds, you know, three and on, I think you're kind of just taking chances. Uh, on guys at that point. so for And even with the running back class, I think the top-end talent is there, but I think once you get to rounds, you know, maybe four, or five, and six, um, it starts to dwindle a little bit.
0: Gotcha. Well, you know, in looking through a lot of different mock drafts for the Buffalo Bills, um, it seems to, especially now that um, the Bills have gone through free agency and, you know, they've added to their roster, the Bills are still seeing a lot of, like, wide receivers, defensive ends, and running backs you know, in the second, third, and fourth rounds. I mean, you mentioned a few, and you mentioned several receivers in that last response. I mean, what are some wide receivers the Bills could possibly expect to see at number 54 or possibly might even fall to the third round for them?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think if you're waiting all the way to 54, um, it really depends what you're looking for. You know, you could get a smaller, speedier guy, perhaps like a Jalen Rieger out of TCU or a KJ Hamler out of Penn State. You know, you put the tape on Rieger and the combine wasn't fantastic, but you see that he's a very twitchy, uh, explosive receiver. Uh made a lot of big plays for them. Uh really, really quick guy. Again, not not the biggest there is out there. Comes in at about five eleven, one ninety five. But um but he's a great quick player. K J Hamler out of Penn State. Even smaller, you know, about five nine one eighty. 180. That might be another guy available uh, in the second round. Um, and, again, an electric playmaker, you know, someone who really makes things happen in the open field. You know, I think that Josh Allen would really, uh, you know, benefit from having a guy like that. They could go bigger. A guy like Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. They're looking for someone um, that they can maybe grow into playing on the outside. This is a terrific athlete, but, again, a bit of a bigger guy, you know, over 6 feet, over 200 pounds, very different than the first two I mentioned. Um, that could be a guy that could be had in the second round. I also looked at some other guys that I think people are underrating. Uh, Michael Pittman out of USC. Again, really big guy, very physical, 6'4", 225. Uh, You 225. Know, USC didn't ask him to run a full route tree, but I think he's capable of doing it, and I think he's someone that's really going to turn into uh, a very good player.
0: When you look at these, especially these bigger guys, because I think like the Chase Claypools and the Michael Pittman juniors are the ones that are probably the bills don't really have that guy on the roster now. They have like some smaller guys, some speedy guys like John Brown, Stephon Diggs. Now, um, I mean, what is the reason why these guys? They obviously have the size and the speed. Why? Why do these guys fall to the second and third rounds? Is it a matter of they just haven't run a full route tree yet? You just don't know. Is it um, like? I mean, depending on the prospect, is it their lack of ability to to? They don't have great hands or the the route running. I mean, what is what is the main reason that you see these guys? You know, drop to the second and third round, especially when they have size like that.
1: Well, when you look at some of those bigger guys, like a Michael Pittman, or especially a Chase Claypool, who who went out and had a terrific combine. Uh, credit to Claypool, but I think you got more. You deal with more of the fear of can they separate right at the NFL level. I think that's a big question for these bigger guys, you know, playing these, uh, a lot of these collegiate athletes who obviously aren't going to take the next step. Once they get into the, the you know, the, the pros and you're playing against NFL level talent, it's do they have the, you know, the short area explosiveness and the skills to be able to separate? It's the long speed. Um, can they get open? I, I think that's a big question you have with your Michael Pittman's, um, with your Chase tools. That's why you heard talk of him potentially moving to tight end. I, I don't really expect that to happen now that he had the combine that he did uh the you know your antonio gandy golden's out of liberty another big boy six four, two twenty. 220 it really is the concern that yes they they can win above the rim you love their ability to high point the ball you love them down in the red zone but can they consistently get away from their man at the nfl level i think that's the question a lot of teams have on these bigger guys
0: so you know there's a lot of talk about the bills potentially taking a defensive end with their second or third round picks, um, I know that you know the Bills have a lot of there's there's a lot of age at that position. Jerry Hughes is in his 30s. Mario Addison they just signed is 32 years old right now. Um, the Bills need to get youth there. Is is are there some prospects, some edge defensive end guys that you can see um, falling the second or third round that the Bills could potentially pick up?
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking of a couple of guys more so in the second round. Uh, I don't know that they'll all make it to to the Bills' pick there, but I, I know the you know you guys like that that defensive line is big and beefy, and uh, a couple of guys come to mind. You know, you have uh, uh, the kid out of Penn State, Yator Gross Matos, six uh, five, you know, two seventy, huge guy, thirty four inch arms, uh, knows how to use them. You know, really has plays with great power, sets the edge at point at the point of attack. Um, big, big guy. Another one that comes to mind is Julian Aguara out of Notre Dame. Another big guy. 6'4", 252, 34-inch arms, uh, over 10-inch hands. Really big guy. Didn't test athletically, unfortunately, but this is a long uh, bendy edge rusher. You know, and the, and the athletic profile is there. It's very exciting. Uh, I think he's more of a 3'4 guy, but he's good against the run. He's a big guy. I think he's going to do well. Another guy I'm very high on who actually went out to the combine and I thought tested very well uh, for his size because there were certainly questions about his athletic ability his boise state edge rusher curtis weaver again big man six two two sixty five uh ten inch hands i thought he, you know did well seven seven second three cone flat i think that was an important time for him very thick guy powerful man uh you know solid anchor but you know not just a big guy the first step quickness is there covers a lot of ground with his uh with his stride uh just a good flexible guy who i think you can move around the line and play at a number of spots i think those three guys Uh, come to mind as good fits for the Bills if I'm looking at someone in that second round
0: okay okay. so now let's turn our attention to running back so first before I ask you about some running backs in this draft class even you just mentioned earlier how thin it was after the first couple of rounds Um, we as Bills fans we really like Devin Singletary as our lead back for now and are trying to figure out the best complimentary back to go with him. Now you over at the Titans, you have Derek Henry as your lead back in Tennessee. The dude's a stud. Um, you know, what's the best complimentary back in a situation like that for you guys? Is it a speedy pass catcher like a Deion Lewis or is it another mauler like Henry? Or, I mean, do you care? Do you just want another good running back regardless of style?
1: Well, I think ideally, if, if you get to choose, you'd like to find someone who complements that player's style. Yeah, and of course, in theory, you know, who's going to complain about having two Derrick Henrys? I mean, that would be a fantastic blessing. But obviously, uh, from the Titans' perspective, you know, they had Deion Lewis. There's a reason they brought him into the fold. They've obviously released him recently. It didn't work out for him there. But I think ideally, you know, they're going to look for a player um, similar to his style, right? Smaller in stature, speedy guy, uh, or if not speedy, at least elusive guy who uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, Derrick Henry is a good, not great receiver. And I think, you know, I don't want to speak exclusively to the Titans because I know this is the Bills podcast. Mm-hmm. I think ideally for any team, when you have a player like Derrick Henry, I think you're looking for someone that complements them. You're looking for those smaller, speedier, shiftier guys. And, and and there are a couple of them in this draft that intrigue me uh, in those middle rounds that I think are going to be available maybe in round four or later. Uh, one being Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State uh you know five nine one ninety five tough runner don't get me wrong he, he he's not someone that's gonna go down at first contact but again he's someone that Arizona State they used him in the screen game a lot. So ideally, you know you're looking at someone that, that you could use in the passing game. He's someone that definitely comes um to mind. Another guy, a big small guy, uh Jermichael Hasty out of Baylor, five eight but two hundred and three pounds, you know, big guy very good at making uh defenders miss. Again, he's someone that they really used as a check down option at Baylor, he actually played in the slot quite a bit as well. Uh, I think he's someone that makes a lot of sense. If you're looking for someone, um, that can catch the ball. Another guy would actually be, uh, Darianton Evans out of App State. He actually might be my favorite, uh, change of pace back in this entire draft, you know, 5'11, 185. Uh, you know, App State, they ran a lot of outside zone, given the ball a lot, um, on stretch plays and he was, and he did a lot of special things with it. You know, his feet are incredible. They're quick. They're controlled. Uh, they're active. He, he's an explosive one cut runner. Uh, but again, uh, you, you put him in the receiving game. He's got natural hands, made a lot of great catches. Uh, and then once he gets the ball in his hands, you're in trouble. You know, the vision, the instincts uh, to create after the catch is very special with him. So for me, if I'm looking for someone uh, that can do things special after the catch, those three guys come to mind.
0: What about guys that are so Devin Singletary is, is great at the point of contact. He's very elusive. Um, he's got good contact balance. Uh, when you look but the one thing he lacks is speed he just does not have the breakaway speed and i'm sure you remember that from your work on him last year i mean what's what's a guy that you know that that has like true speed that maybe um also catches the ball also but you know also can run the ball between the tackles as well is there a guy like that within the first few round or second third and fourth round that uh that's uh, not one of those guys that you just mentioned
1: yeah, I mean, I, it's tough because uh, for me, I would mention some of those top end guys more so uh, that you're probably not going to get in the second round, most likely someone like a Jonathan Taylor, for example. Um, you know, in this, I don't think this class has a ton of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy who I will mention that I that I didn't mention earlier, um, I, I don't know that he's got, you know, uh, you know, terrifying speed, so to speak. But Jack Moss out of Utah is a guy that I really like And I think he's got that sort of blend of skills. You know, he's a bruiser, first of all. He's a tough runner, 5'10", 222" he's tough to tackle you're not going to arm tackle this kid he's someone that you're really sometimes you got to gang tackle him he he's such a big tough runner but again you get him in the open field and he'll surprise you with his breakaway speed he ran away from defenders in the open field so i think that uh that's a guy that um that makes a lot of sense in that area he was also used quite frequently as a receiver you know utah did actually put him around uh, in the passing game quite a bit he's excellent in pass protection they threw him the ball a bunch and, and he was very good so i think if you're sort of looking for the best of both worlds where someone who's got you know very good maybe not you know terrific speed but good speed who can also you know run between the tackles is tough to tackle he's a bruiser it was used as a receiver then Zach Moss is an excellent blend of that
0: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation
1: for stress at work
0: Impending deadline
1: Generate Canva presentations
0: in seconds So fast Brainstorm got too big Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Rider's Block, release with Canva Magic, Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. Okay, great. Great. So I, I have a few thoughts on drafting quarterbacks every year of the draft. And that's just a personal preference only because, um, first off, if you don't know you have your franchise quarterback, it's always good just to take a shot. I'm not saying take one in the first round every year but at some point drafting a prospect every year or maybe every other year or something of that effect. Because even when you have your franchise quarterback, when they go down, you can't necessarily just count on on a guy like, Matt Barkley as your backup quarterback it'd be nice to groom someone in the background just in case a guy like Josh Allen goes down what are your thoughts on that approach you guys have you know obviously an interesting quarterback situation with Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota and that's kind of been an interesting thing to watch last year so um you know what are your thoughts on you know taking a guy every year or so and uh and adding them and you know if if Worst comes to worst, you know, you don't keep him, you cut him, or best, you know, you can trade him for a piece, or he becomes your franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah, I don't know personally that I would advocate for taking one every single year, but I do understand where you're coming from in the sense that I think it's never a bad idea, um, especially if you don't have one, to gamble on someone, maybe even day three you never know what you're going to get, right? I mean, a lot of those picks are, are, are dart throws anyway, to be honest with you. And, and GMs may not fully admit that, but a lot of those guys in rounds, you know, four, five, six, and seven um, are dart throws. And, and you know what? If you're going to throw a dart, why not throw one at the most important position on the field, right? And something that if you do hit on it, A, can turn into a franchise quarterback, or maybe you can trade uh, them trade for an earlier pick than where you took them, right? Because we all know uh, the need for a quarterback will always prevail in this league. So, uh, and I mean, it's it's not... You know, you, you go back and you've seen teams do it, right? I mean, the Washington Redskins, this is going way back, but, you know, took Robert Griffin third at second overall in that draft. They ended up kicking Kirk Cousins in the same draft. And, I mean, we saw how that worked out for them. They ended up, you know, unfortunately, you know, with RG3's injury, they kind of got more out of Kirk Cousins. Uh, out of that. So and it's not totally different from what the new England Patriots have done over the last, you know, uh, several seasons. Yes. Brady was getting up there in age. So you can make the argument that it, it made a little bit more sense for them, but they've taken your Jared Spittums, Uh They've taken your Jenny Garoppolo. So I'm not totally opposed to it. If you were going to do that in this draft. One guy that, uh, that interests me a lot uh, would be Anthony Gordon quarterback out of Washington state. A um, little on the smaller side, about six, two, two Oh five. One thing I like about him is he comes from Mike Leach's air raid system. Now we've seen what Leach can do. He, you know he's, he's on to bigger and better things now over at Mississippi State but you really like what Leach has done with Washington State and his offense you know some people call it gimmicky but I remember spending time last year with Gardner Minshew uh before he got drafted now Minshew of course came from that uh same system played one year at for Mike Leach at Washington State and, and, and Minshew if you've never spoken to him before is a terrific guy to be around very interesting personality and character and I remember he said to me he said look I'm getting underrated throughout this draft process. You know, these quarterbacks that are, they're going to get taken before me. Some of these guys handed the ball off 30, 40 times a game. How does that prepare you for what's next? You know, Coach Leach friggin' had me back there throwing it 50, 60 times every game. And I'm, and I'm ready for that, and I'm ready to throw the ball, and I'm ready to play at the next level. You see that he comes into the league as a day-three pick and say what you want about him. But, I mean, he was thrown into the fire there in Jacksonville, and he handled himself very well. So much that they've already moved on uh, from Nick Foles, and they're handing Minshew the starting job. So when I look at Anthony Gordon, who had the same experience as Minshew last year at Washington State, he's someone who, who certainly intrigues me uh, in this draft of the day three quarterback.
0: Target. Okay, great. Great. So you, you just mentioned you, you've interviewed Gard Minchu, you've interviewed, I mean, a ton of prospects over the last few years. Um, what is the most interesting non-football story that you've heard or what is, what is the most interesting backstory that you've talked with about a prospect, you know, in their own, in their own background?
1: it's very difficult for me to narrow down to be truthful with you. I'm not just saying it. I mean, uh, over the last four years, I think I've, I've probably conducted somewhere between 350 to 400 interviews. So it's difficult for me to, to sort of narrow it down to one guy. Uh, I'm very blessed to hear all of these stories that these guys tell me. You know, it's not always the first round picks. You know, I hear a guy like Ada Runa, is uh, an edge rusher for the Minnesota Vikings, who moved uh, to to America from Nigeria, you know, uh, almost as a teenager already. So that's someone who came, you know, came to this country with nothing uh, to his name and had never played football, you know, and gets introduced to it in high school. And look at him making a pro career for himself. Uh, two guys that I'll mention this year that I just interviewed recently that really wowed me with their stories. Um, You know, two guys I expect to be taken somewhere in the middle rounds is Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson, uh, safety that is, and D-Lyman Raekwon Williams from Michigan State. Uh, Both of these guys have gone through, you know, an extremely tough upbringing. They, you know, they had, they didn't have a single advantage, you know, at their feet. You know, they grew up in really rough neighborhoods. Um, You know, in some instances, they grew up with extended family. They were surrounded by crime uh, and temptation um you know from these neighborhoods for them to get into a life of crime and both of them just did a great job keeping their head down um realizing that they wanted to do more with their lives and more so wanted to inspire the next generation of kids from their neighborhood to make them realize that there's more out there for them um you know than than the temptations um you know that surround them unfortunately i look at a guy like william specifically who um who suffered a, a terrible tragedy in his family a few years ago and um, and thought about quitting football. And I asked him, I said, well, where did you find the strength to keep going? You know, he was going through uh, the loss of a, of a family member uh, due to violence. Uh, two family members, actually, I believe it was. And I said, hey, where did you find the strength to keep going? And he said, you know what? It, w- it was my mom. My mom is the one who, who told me to keep going, who told me I could do something special. And I know what I decided to keep my head down. Michigan State came around. I went to play my football there and I've never looked back. So for me, it, it's always the inspiring stories of, of kids who, you know, so quote unquote weren't supposed to make it, had every disadvantage in their lives, but have found a way, um, to really, to really not only make something of themselves, but inspire their community, give back and, and do good things, uh, for the kids that are, you know, uh, part of the next generation.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really great story, especially at a time like this, it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit for us all. Um, you know, Justin, I really appreciate you coming on and lending all of your great draft knowledge. I know that, you know, there was a lot of questions in there. Appreciate you coming on to talk about, you know, some of these prospects that we could potentially see as Bills fans in the second, third and fourth rounds and positions of need. Where can people find your work and where can they fo- follow you on social media?
1: Yeah, for social media, Twitter is really the only thing um, that, that people are going to, you know, uh, where I'm going to be posting my work and whatnot. You can follow me on there at Justin M underscore NFL. Uh, again, you'll see all my writings for both the DraftWire, um, which is, again, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group Wire Network, as well as Music City Miracles, which is the Tennessee Titan-centric website uh, for SB Nation. Um, I'll have I'm posting all my articles on there right now. Uh, I've got about 30 interviews done that haven't even published yet because I'm doing about three, four, five of them a day mm-hmm. um, at times. So going to be, you know, consistently releasing information on my interviews. Um, I've been releasing a lot of information lately on uh, which players, um, which players are meeting with which teams prior to the draft. You know, unfortunately, of course, the coronavirus outbreak um, has sort of relegated everything to being via telephone so but but they still count as draft meetings so who uh buffalo bill centric have actually uh been able to release a lot of info on the bills recently on which prospects they've been meeting with and that's always an interesting way to to kind of know who they might be interested in and which positions they may be targeting so uh, if you're a bill sand uh, I, I suggest you go through my timeline again that's uh, justin m underscore nfl i've had a lot of uh, news lately on who the bills have been meeting with
0: Great. Well, really appreciate that. Everyone should be giving you a follow and and following your work. And again, thank you for coming on. And uh, you know, we'll we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Pleasure was all mine. Take care, Nate.
0: Thanks again to Justin Mello of the Draft Wire for coming in and, and discussing some of the prospects that we can expect the Bills to potentially target in the second, third, and fourth rounds. And I think it's a great primer for that discussion getting into the draft. I know a lot of the other podcasts in the network have really. Gotten into some really good discussion, some mock draft information, and uh, and just exactly what this team could look like in a matter of just man, it's just it's just a month away, which is crazy. Um, again, hope you guys are all staying safe out there. Hope you guys are all staying healthy. Um, I I know Nick from the Nick and Nolan Show had a great discussion on COVID nineteen, the coronavirus. Um, if you guys are also interested in learning more about that, Joe Rogan had a great. Uh, discussion on it on march 10th it's episode 1439 it's a michael osterholm inter- interview where michael Ulsterholm is a infectious disease um, epide- epidemiology expert and uh, he is the presidential endowed chair in public health director of the center of for infectious disease uh, research and policy and it, and it was just a really great uh, that interview happened way before any of what we're experiencing right now has come to fruition. And it's crazy how podcasts can sometimes form the opinion, uh, more so maybe than the mainstream media. So, um, check that out if you can. So, but again, stay safe, stay healthy, follow Justin on Twitter. That's Justin M underscore NFL. And he's got some really interesting tweets about some, uh, prospects the bills are interviewing with. So for me, Nate, go bills. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.